Acts chapter 16, reading from verse 16. Once, when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned round and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Great. Thank you so much, Kim. It's a great story, isn't it? And I'm really excited about looking at it together with you this morning because it's just kind of, it's kind of revived me, this story, it kind of revived me to think Jesus really does save people. Real people like, like you and me and people out on the street and people over in the park this morning. Real people actually hear the message of Jesus and, and trust in him and choose to follow him. As, as the church, as we share the message of Jesus, God saves people. 
I don't know about you, I really need to hear that often. I really need God to help me to believe that. Because a lot of the time when I think about trying to speak to people about Jesus, I just feel kind of weary. I just kind of feel like it's not going anywhere for me. I wonder if we all feel like that sometimes. Maybe you think about um, family members, and, and maybe your family are, are really polite when you talk about God and talk about church, but just want to change the subject as soon as they can. Or, or maybe for you, actually, your family feel like you are dishonoring them because you follow Jesus. Or, or maybe you think about um, work or, or college or uni, and the, the, the chat is just always banter. That, that's all there is. When I was a teacher, um, we had a little math staff room, and the chat in the math staff room was uh, annoying pupils, annoying senior leadership team, um, holidays, TV, football. And that was it. And you think, it's weird to talk about anything serious, never mind talking about Jesus. We, we, we know we want to share the message of Jesus. People need to hear about Jesus, but sometimes it just doesn't feel like it's, it's getting anywhere. Well, if that is a bit how you're feeling this morning, then stick with it, because this story is brilliant for us to be looking at. Because it doesn't pretend that it's easy. It is full of the, the real challenges of talking about Jesus. But in the middle of that, this story sings out, the good news about Jesus cannot be chained. Whatever the obstacles, nothing can stop God saving people through Jesus. I don't, know if you've, um, I don't know if you've ever seen an escape artist. Has anyone, has anyone in the room actually seen an escape artist like live in person? No, me neither. Um, but I, uh, I went down a YouTube rabbit hole this week um, watching, so Harry Houdini was like the old, really famous guy, um, and they were recreating the stuff that he did. And I was watching this one where um, they did all the kind of chains and like a straight jacket so he can't move any of his upper body. Um, and then they attached him, and they lowered him into a water tank. And his feet are, like, attached to the roof of the water tank. He's got a straight jacket everywhere. And you, you think, it's literally impossible for you to move. Like, it, it's impossible. And you watch, and, and he struggles, and he's not getting anywhere. And, and it just gets to that point where you think, what if this has gone wrong? What if, what if he's not going to get out? <laughs> And then just when you think that, suddenly, somehow, he does something and the chains all come off and, and he gets out and he gets free. Well, Act 16, it's like watching a master escape artist at work. It, it looks like the gospel is totally chained up. And yet somehow, just when it looks like it's all gone wrong, God clicks his fingers and breaks free and brings salvation. So I hope it's going to encourage us this morning as we look at it together. Let's pray. Let's pray that God would encourage us. Father, we praise you so much that you speak to us through your word, that your spirit is present now. Father, please give us confidence from Acts 16. 
Give us confidence in the message of Jesus and your power to save people and bring people to life in him. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've got a Bible, do keep Acts 16 open as we uh, go along through it. We're kind of landing in in the middle of a story. Um, So just to kind of get our bearings for a minute, um, this is Paul and his little team um, on one of their journeys going around and telling people about Jesus. Um, Right now they're in a place called Philippi. I think we've got a a little map that will show us um, kind of where it is. It's in modern day Greece, just there. Um, And they're in Philippi and they've They've talked to people about Jesus and people have become Christians. And a little kind of baby church has been born there. And that is basically where we sort of pick up the story. Um, So have a look. Have a look at verse 16. It says this. Once we were going to the place of prayer and we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. The verses just kind of, you sort of tell it factually, don't they? This is an awful situation for this woman. Her, her body is owned by her masters. Her mind is owned by this kind of spirit. And she is abused and, and mistreated by both of them. And, and she starts following Paul around. And, and as she goes, she is yelling at the top of her voice, this man is a servant of the Most High God and he's telling you the way to be saved. Now we might think, okay, that, that almost sounds a bit handy. <laughs> it's kind of like free publicity. But then think about it for a minute. If you, if you were watching Paul and hearing his message about Jesus and you see this woman and you know she's got some kind of evil spirit going on, and you see her always next to him yelling about the most high God and the way to be saved. What are you thinking? Why does Paul have this woman with him? Is, is it something to do with his message? Is, is the Jesus stuff some kind of demonic, evil spirit thing? Do you see what, what the spirit is doing? It's, it's tainting the message of Jesus. It's like... A politician getting endorsed by a mafia boss or something like that. And eventually, Paul has had enough. And he just turns around and he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, get out of her. And the spirit flees. For this woman, it is amazing. It is life transforming for her. And for everyone watching, it's, it's a really clear message, isn't it? Jesus is not in league with dark spiritual powers. Jesus is opposed to them, and Jesus has total authority over them. That is so reassuring for us, isn't it? Because Satan and and spiritual opposition to Jesus is still real. In, In this country, generally, we don't often see that kind of so visibly like this. But Satan is still doing all sorts of things in our world to try and, and drown out the message of Jesus. But he can't do it. He cannot do it. Jesus has defeated him on the cross. And whatever he tries, 
nothing can stop the message of Jesus spreading. Uh, I wonder if you know, um, or maybe you can guess, uh, in what country is the church growing the most in kind of percentage terms? Where are the most people becoming Christians? Anyone have a guess? Or I heard, I heard China and Iran. China is, is high up. Iran is the number one. In Iran, it is, um, you can be arrested for going to church. You can be arrested for having a Bible in Farsi. And the church is exploding. It's, it's multiplied by like 100 in the last 20 years. And number two is Afghanistan. Mainly because people who have become Christians in Iran are going to Afghanistan to tell people about Jesus there. You see, Satan can try all he wants. He can try in obvious ways. He can try in more subtle ways. But nothing can stop God saving people through Jesus. Well, let's go on with the story. Because as soon as the, the spiritual opposition is gone, the human opposition starts. Have a look at verse 19. When her owners realized their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. It's so interesting what they say, isn't it? Let's have a look at it again. There's nothing about the evil spirits. There's nothing about all the profit that they have just lost. Do you, do you see what they say, what they accuse? They're advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. Let's have a think about this. So Philippi... It was an important city in the Roman Empire, and the kind of the Roman identity of the city was really important. I think we've got a few pictures of the kind of old Roman remains there. And a big part of that Roman identity was religious pluralism. Basically, everyone accepts that everyone has their own God. Everyone worships the emperor, that is non-negotiable. And then other than that, everyone can have their own God. The one thing you can't do is say that your God is the one true God. The one thing you can't do is say, Jesus deserves to be worshipped by everyone. Because <laughs> it's not like a right and wrong thing. It's a, it's a, it's a lifestyle thing. I wonder if that sounds... A bit familiar. I think that is so similar to our modern Western culture that we live in. In, in terms of religion and faith and spirituality, you do you. Believe what, what you want to believe. Believe the, the thing that helps you on your path and, and let other people find their path. Don't say that they should be on the same one as you. I, um, I do the park run. I hear, I hear you've got a park run, just in that park up there. Um, I do the park run at home on a Saturday morning. Um, and I've got uh, a few friends that I run with. Um, some of them follow a religion, some of them don't. 
Um, and they know I do churchy stuff, and, and sometimes we get talking about it, and it's great. Normally, it's just on the last big uphill, and I'm like, I can't even speak right now. Why have you asked me this now? <laughs> but um, the conversation goes on, and normally at some point, someone says something like this. I just, I wish people wouldn't argue about religions, because they're all about the same thing, really. We're all aiming for the same thing. Let's just find our own ways to get there. When it comes to religion, faith, spirituality, you do you. Well, that was, that was the kind of vibe in Philippi as well. And so these guys, that's, that's their point of attack for Paul and Silas. It's customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. And it works, doesn't it? works very, very well. The crowd are just yelling. Paul and Silas have no chance to defend themselves. They chuck them on the ground. They, they strip them almost naked. They beat them with rods over and over again. And then they get them up. They, they shove them back through the crowd to the prison, to the innermost, darkest cell, lock them up so they can't move. Brutal. You see, for Paul and Silas, sharing the message of Jesus, it meant following in the footsteps of Jesus. Do you see that? Wrongly accused, a, a sham trial, stripped, beaten, put in prison. Sometimes standing for Jesus means following in the footsteps of Jesus. And for a lot of Christians in the world today, it will look exactly like Acts 16 in, in Somalia and in Pakistan and in, in Yemen. For us in the UK, generally it's not like that, and we should thank God for that. But still, in, in, in much, much smaller ways, if we are brave talking about Jesus our lives might get a bit less comfortable. So, so think about Parkrun. If I find the courage to say to my friends, I don't think different religions can all be true because Jesus basically says he is it. He, he is the way to God and, and either that's right or it's wrong. I don't know how that would go down and I feel a bit scared. I pray that God will give me the courage to, to say that, and I pray that God will make them ready to listen. But it might not be comfortable. Sometimes we, we might get called intolerant. Sometimes we might find that we don't get invited to stuff so much. Or, or maybe, maybe a bit more likely, Maybe our friends and family will just think we're boring. <laughs> you know, like, why do you always talk about this Jesus stuff? Like, go to church, great. I'm so glad you've got that. But why do you then have to bring Jesus to the pub and, and on holiday? Uh, maybe sometimes we just think, it just feels like a lost cause. That's where, by about verse 24, that's where this story looks, doesn't it? Paul and Silas in prison, chains on, no way out. 
Well, let's read on. Verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. I think that is beautiful, actually. I mean, Paul and Silas are not like superhuman people. They're They are feeling the pain. Their bodies are aching from the chains. Their backs are stinging. They're feeling the shame. (laughs) And yet somehow, they know they're following the footsteps of Jesus. And they trust God. And they talk to him. And they even sing and praise him. And the other prisoners are, are listening. They're kind of interested in this. And then verse 26 happens. Enormous earthquake. Everything shakes. And at that very moment, every single prison door, ping, 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 all wide open. The chains all come off. It's like the big finale of the master escape artist. And the message is loud and clear. God cannot be stopped by prisons and chains. You can't lock him up. You can't shut him away. He will just click his fingers and be out. Except they don't go out. (laughs) Did you spot that? Surely this is like the the triumphant rescue. This is the film scene where they they sprint out into the open air free. But they don't. The, the, The doors open, the chains come off, and they just sit there in the darkness. So so what's going on? What is the earthquake for? Let's go on again. Verse 29. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? You see, God has... 10,000 ways that he can get people's attention. This jailer was not interested in Paul and Silas. He was not interested in their message, just some more prisoners. But now, now there is this huge earthquake, and now Paul and Silas basically save his life by keeping everyone in the prison. And now he is like, if you've got a message, then I'm all is. What is it? What must I do to be saved? So they tell him, believe in the Lord Jesus. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. The good news about Jesus is wonderfully simple. Maybe you're here today and and I've been up the front saying all this stuff about the message of Jesus, the gospel. And maybe you're thinking, Mark, I don't know exactly what you mean. (laughs) Well, let me try and give it to you in a nutshell. Jesus can give us life forever with God. Jesus can give us life forever with God. You you could think about it like this. God is kind of like the sun at the center of our solar system. He, He is the source of all the light and life and love and everything revolves around him. He is the center. But we don't like that. 
or all of us naturally, we want everything to revolve around me. We want to be in the center instead of God. And so we, we push him away and we ignore him and we end up cut off from his light and his love. But Jesus has done everything to rescue us. Jesus died on a cross. He, he entered our darkness. He dealt with all our self-centeredness to, to bring us back into the orbit of God's love. And then he defeated death. He came back to life. And that means we can go through death and out of the other side to, to physical, resurrected life with God forever. Jesus has done everything to rescue us. And the call to us is just like it was to the jailer. Believe in Jesus. Trust him with your life. Pin all of your hopes on him. If that is something that you want to think more about, um, then I just encourage you, please talk to someone about that um, before you go today. Maybe there's someone you know well you could talk to. Um, anyone who's been at the front today would be really happy to chat to you more about it. But let's see how the jailer responds. How does he respond to the message? Have a look. Just, just glance over verse 32 to 34. He just can't wait, can he? <laughs> I mean, who cares that it's midnight? Who cares that he is not even supposed to talk to the prisoners? He's just like, this is the best thing ever. Gets all his family out of bed. They all listen. They believe the message too. And then he's like, baptism, let's get baptized, great. Um, maybe they found a fountain or something like that, and they, they just all go straight in. Can you, can you picture it? This hardened Roman soldier and all of his family, sopping wet, freezing cold in the middle of the night. And yet, verse 34, filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household. This is what the earthquake was about. It's not about rescuing Paul and Silas. It's about salvation for this family. It is a, a tectonic demonstration that the good news about Jesus cannot be chained. There is nothing that can stop God from saving people. Prisons and chains can't stop him. The, the governments of Iran and Afghanistan cannot stop him. Religious pluralism cannot stop him. Satan cannot stop him. God saves people. God still saves people today. And he does it through us. He, he does it as, as his church weak and weary and, and stumbling, try and say something about Jesus. So keep going. Keep, keep going with, with your mates, with your family, with your colleagues. Keep going when it feels like you are getting nowhere. Keep going when it's uncomfortable. Keep going when 
you're nervous about how the other person is going to react. Keep going when you take a bit of stick. Because often it is, it is precisely in the middle of all of that that God saves people. I have a, a friend called Sarah, and uh, when she was at college, she was involved in a kind of Christian union of the college. Um, she was involved in some outreach events. Um, and there was another guy at college called James. And James came to all of these outreach events, and he was obnoxious. <laughs> uh, he was aggressive. He was kind of personally nasty to Sarah and, and just sort of attacked any of the speakers who came. And Sarah was kind and patient. She didn't ignore him. She didn't gossip about him. And one day they had this conversation and, and she said to him, why are you so aggressive? And he said, I'm really lonely and I'm, I'm a bit scared. And she invited him along to church and he came along and he listened. He listened to the message of Jesus and very soon after that he became a Christian. Now that is... That's a story where wonderfully we know the end. <laughs> Often we feel like we're in the middle of the story, don't we? As we finish, I'd love you to just think of one person who you find it hard to talk to about Jesus. Just think and, and see who the Spirit brings into your mind. Maybe it's someone who you think, it doesn't feel worth even trying. It feels like it is impossible for them to become a Christian. God wants to say to us this morning through his word, that is not true. That is never true about anyone. So let me just give you a moment to think, what might it look like for me to keep going, trying to share Jesus with that person? Just give you a minute of quiet to think, and then I'll pray for us. Father, we praise you that nothing can stop you from saving people through Jesus. Father, we need help to believe that. We need help to keep going. Please, by your Holy Spirit, give us fresh confidence this morning to keep praying for our friends, and to keep trying to speak about Jesus with them. We pray in his name. Amen.